0: Welcome, First Baptist Church of China Grove. Open your Bibles to the book of Revelation this morning. have uh, my preaching Bible, one of my preaching Bibles here with me. An uh, interesting story. When I first came here, I had just packed up my office at North Canapolis and put so many things in books, gave half my library away to... Uh, Fruitland Bible College, because I couldn't possibly carry it all home. Uh, about a third, actually, about a third of it came home with me, and I had to box up a lot of stuff. And when I got here, uh, I needed my preaching Bible, of course. In fact, I needed it before I got here. I wasn't able to locate any of them. I had like four of them, couldn't find them, and I had to pull out the old Bible that. Dr. Jerry Falwell gave me, and I hated to use that Bible. I'd use it; It was my second preaching Bible I ever had. But the problem with it was is missing several chapters. And I don't know if you're aware of it or not. The Bible I preach from is not the Bible I prepare my sermons from. I always prepare it with a Bible that sits on my desk, a old an old Ryrie Study Bible, King James Version, and I use it to prepare as well as a program and. So I don't see that preaching Bible to either Sunday morning or whatever. And in one case, after I got here, I did not see it until I got up the pulpit. And I opened uh, the Bible to a certain page, the old Jerry Falwell Bible, and found that a page was missing, the page I was preaching from, of course. Fortunately, I have a good memory, and I can remember what it said and, and kind of made it through. But there were several chapters in that book, Bible, and I. The whole time I've been here, I've been a little bit apprehensive with that Bible because I never know if I'm going to turn somewhere and the Scripture's not going to be there uh, because I've lost some pages out of it. So I was, uh, you know, really wanting to find those Bibles, but I wasn't able. I I had given up. I went through an entire storage building where I'd stored all my stuff, looking through box after box, hour after hour, looking for those Bibles. And the other day I went in a closet in my uh, study, and there was a box in the lower, very very lower left, and I pulled it out and opened it, and guess what? And now my interim is ending. So, you know, that's the way it goes sometimes. You never know, you're going to get, your, get what you need when you don't want it. Uh, so there you go. But I'm preaching for one of my Bibles today. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Revelation today, and we want to talk about, I know, the title of the message, I Know Thy Works. I know thy works. And that's a term we will see if we'll look in Revelation 2, verse 2. I know thy works and thy labor and patience, he says to the church at Ephesus. Verse 9 uh, to Smyrna. I know thy works, tribulation and poverty. Uh, Verse 13. I know thy works, where thou dwellest. Verse 19 I know thy works and charity and service and faith and so on through chapter 3, 1, 8 and 15. And finally, chapter 3, verse 15, uh, to the church at Laodicea, I know that your works and that you're neither cold nor hot. Now the word here in the Greek language says that God really is mentally aware, has considered their situation, is very confident That he knows exactly where each church is. And I believe that. He knows us intimately. We are his children. And the churches are groups of his children. So he knows us very intimately. And this is Christ speaking through the Holy Spirit. Remember chapter 1. John has had a vision of the resurrected glorified Christ. And he sees Jesus And he's identified in chapter 1, verse 13, as the Son of Man. So we know it's Jesus in chapter 1 of Revelation. And so Jesus is here, and it says here an interesting statement, chapter 2, verse 1. Let's look here. And to the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Now you are probably say that makes no sense to me whatsoever. Well, first of all, in his hand, in chapter 1, verse 16, there are seven stars. The seven stars are seven angels which are identified as pastors. God holds these pastors in his hand. And Dr. Jim Harris always reminds me as a pastor, don't forget, Chris, God's always holding you in his hand. And so he's holding those in his head. He's holding the seven stars in his hand. And he walks in the midst of seven golden candlesticks. Now these are identified in the chapter as the seven churches. Okay? So God is holding the pastors, and he's walking in the midst of the seven churches. Now I tell you this. Whether you realize it or not, church, God, through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, is walking in our midst every Sunday. Every time we gather as a church, Jesus is walking in the midst, weighing hearts. Sadly, the last chapter, the last church, Laodicea, We find a difference. For in that chapter, we find not Jesus walking in the midst of the church. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man will come and fellowship. Jesus has been shut out of the church. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine a human pride and arrogance and selfishness that we would ever put Jesus out of the church? But when our hearts, listen, when our hearts are not sensitive to God, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, that's what we get. When we harden our hearts to God and we don't listen, that's what happens. But listen, He knows our works. He knows our sin. He knows our failures. And he asks us to repent. And we know that he is walking in the midst. He said, Lo, I'm with you always. Wherever two or three, Matthew 18, 20, are gathered in your name, I'm in the midst. He possesses and owns the seven stars and the candlesticks. They belong to him. That's his this is his church. It's not our church. We're members here but he owns the church he's the head christ loved the church and gave himself for it he is the head of the church Ephesians 5 Acts 20:28 20, the church which he has purchased with his own blood he bought the church he paid for it not with money but with his blood he spiritually purchased take heed therefore uh, unto yourselves and all the flock over which the holy ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of god which he has purchased with his own blood acts 20:28 20, he holds listen he holds you and me in his hands amen he says in john 10, 28, and I'm going to turn there, something about that, about us being in His hands, and so we're in His hands too, amen. John 10, and verse 28, 29, I give unto them eternal life, they shall never perish, Neither shall any man pluck them out where of my hand. Where in his hand? The pastor's in his hand and we're in our hand. I told you, it belong, you belong to him. You belong to him. And by the way, if you belong to him, don't worry. Nobody can take you away from him. Amen. And he goes on and says this. My father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. Amen. So can we be lost once we're saved? No. Nobody, not even you, can pluck. You can't remove yourself from His hand. And nobody can pluck you out of His hand. We're in His hands. Not only is Jesus in our midst, but He's in our heart through the Holy Spirit. And we can't get any more intimate than that. And so what I'm saying here is God knows our works. Yes, He does know our works. He knows us. He knows where we are today spiritually. He knows if you haven't prayed enough. He knows if you haven't studied your Bible. He knows if you've been lax. lax. He knows if you're ashamed to witness for Him. If you're ashamed to share Jesus, but He's not ashamed of you. He knows. He knows our sins. He knows when we absolutely rebel and sin against him. He knows if we've done that. He knows. I know thy works, good or bad. He knows. Now there's certain sobering truth about all of this. And it's a little bit bit scary too, isn't it? When we look at this. He knew the good and bad of those churches. He knows our hearts, our good things, our sins. Nothing is hidden from him. Now, we might dress up and come to church. We might put on a smile and act like we're Mr. or Mrs. Spiritual. But he knows our motives. He knows our sins. And he knows our actions. Amen. Amen. There's a distinct warning here. There are candlesticks from a word that more correctly means lampstand. We are the light of the world. Each church is like a lampstand and it casts a bit of light. Light shows what is wrong and what is dirty. And we cast the light of, of, on sin And if we stand against sin. For thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee, Lord. Light also shows the way to God for those who find it. Psalm 119 105. Collectively and cohesively, they cast a great light. However, Jesus says if the church, by that which we, uh, we mean the church people, the body fail to repent of their wrongs, he will remove the candlestick, the effectiveness of the church. He, he takes away the church is no longer effective. If, In other words, if we want to be an effective church, we have to repent. We have to Be obedient. We have to follow Him. I tell you, today as we look at the church, we have so much to repent of. We discount sin. We do. Uh, Sin is a problem. It's a disease. We say it's a problem, a disease, or a defect. But in actuality, it's a sin against God, isn't it? We tiptoe around sin, yet God says it's absolute sin. You know, he didn't tell David when he sent with Bathsheba, you have a problem, David. I'm going to send you to counseling. <laughs> Did he tell David that? No, he sent the prophet to him and said, David, you have sinned. And you know what? David went to the altar and got right. He spent all night. He found the horns of the altar where they take the sacrifice. And he held on there and he pled with God for his sin. And said, God, forgive me. And he prayed all night. He got up the next morning and washed his face. I heard pastoral radio coming back from vacation talking about people who leave churches and say, "I I just don't get anything out of the pastor's sermon. Now he said this and I didn't. Backslidden people who don't listen to the Holy Spirit usually don't get anything out of the sermon. Let me say it again. Backslidden people who don't listen to the Holy Spirit usually don't get anything out of the sermon. Now I've now I've heard a lot of sermons. and I've heard some bad ones and good ones, but you know I always got something out of some, all of them. And I heard one sermon, it's perhaps the worst sermon I ever heard. You've ever heard preached? I heard it preached by a student one time, and, and I I really wanted to go up to the young man and say, "Can I help you? or Can you help you find another way of uh, form of work?" But uh, I didn't do that. Uh, I restrained myself. But uh, another form uh, of this. And all of us in ministry have heard this a hundred, we've heard it hundreds of times. And a, a question I'd like to ask people, like, why don't you get anything out of this sermon? The Bible is open. The scripture is read. Explanation is given. Why would you say I don't get anything out of it? It doesn't make sense. And so, there you go. And usually when that happens in a church, you might have a, I've never had a, spl, a church split. I've had splinters. What's a splinter? You know, a family get mad and leave. Maybe two families. Splinter. Uh, they weren't fed. They weren't quote being fed. And they, they, and it's, they strangely always seem to end up at another church, the same church. You know, <laughs> now, that's always the funny thing. Oh, um, I heard the reports. Oh, how great the pastor was. How he preached the word. And, and uh how they were growing i remember we had some couples left and i was going oh yeah that's very good very good very good two months later the church called him in a motel room with a woman and uh he turns out he was having an affair with about eight women in the church well you know but he was great they were really getting a lot out of his messages now let me tell you so you know what i've learned through the years look over that kind of stuff uh so I got an early education in the behavior of behavior. People who bounce from church to church or pastor to pastor. It's results of this insidious behavior. Forty years of people wanting to be tickled in the ear is what we have. What we have today? What do we have today? We have our Christianity has become shallow, anemic, backslidden, weak, if not dead, spiritually beggarly, powerless in general. The church has become. Second Timothy four three talks about it. The time will come. When they will not endure sound doctrine. That means sound biblical teaching. But after their own lusts shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Now we just went through the Ephesian Bible study. Just shortly. A month ago. And I talked in all of those lessons. We pointed out time after time after time. How love was conveyed in that book, did we not? How many times did it mention love? I couldn't tell you. And yet, over here in Revelation, we turn to the first church, the, the best church, Ephesus. It's the first one he addressed, and he talks about how good they are. But then he says, but there's something I have against you. Verse 4, you've left your first love. Even they had a problem with sin. And the best church, listen, if we think First Baptist is the best church, and you're pretty good, let me tell you that, you're pretty good, be careful, because you may not be as good as you think you are. Consider where you are. But people are going to—people are turning away from the hearing. They don't want to hear the Word of God anymore. And you know, that bothers me. This is all we have. This is all that God gave us right here. This book. This is it. And the preacher has to preach the Word. He's advised to preach the Word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. How can you do that without the Word? You can't. God help us. Don't get up, and I guess I'm preaching to preachers now, and preach a sermon with tickle me elbows and use one Bible verse. That's not a sermon on marriage, and I've seen that. That's why my... And I said, "What a sermon is that?" Oh, by the way, he did mention the scripture right as he ended. The that's not. That's not preaching, folks. That's not the word of God. Now, how did we get here? That didn't happen overnight. And, and look at these churches here. He's writing to seven churches. we an example of seven churches that existed. Seven churches types of churches that will always exist, and seven churches that even exist now. He's writing to them. What happens to a church? What happened to Ephesus? It didn't happen overnight. They didn't just wake up one day and said, hey, we'll do everything right, but let's, we're not being loving, and let's just not love anymore. It didn't happen that way. Sin never happens that way. Oh, yeah, people do fall off the wagon and run off with the pianist. Hopefully, nobody's going to run off with Marcia. But, uh, you know, Marcia, forgive me for saying that. But, you know, at least I don't think Marcia would. That's my point. But, you know, things like that happen. And, you know, the sins of a church don't just happen overnight. They creep up on us. And Satan is deceiving, and we start neglecting the Word of God, and we start neglecting church prayer. We start neglecting the two big spiritual things, the Word of God and prayer, and we start doing it our way, and we start being, then we get into our own little islands. I used to pray every week, God, let our church be a Smyrna or Philadelphia in your midst. Two churches he said nothing bad about. Don't even let us be in an Ephesus, but let us be in Smyrna or Philadelphia. And one of those was a suffering church. They're in the minority, two out of seven. And Jesus says, and he gives a blessing on those churches. I know thy works, verse 9, tribulation and poverty. That's, I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not in the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things that you'll suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried. And you will have tribulation ten days. But be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. So he promises for each church like that, great, great blessing. Great blessing. Now, I know that works. God knows our works. God knows you. God knows our church. What do we need? Well, we need the four R's. There are four of them. And I'm going to give right here and right now. We need the four R's. First of all, we've got to repent. That comes also through realization. Now, I want you to realize, even if you're in sin, God loves you. And he seeks us out. Look in chapter 3, verse 19. I know the works, charity, service, faith. And then he says uh, in verse, oh, excuse me, chapter 3, let me get here. Verse 20, bold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him, sup with him, and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me on my throne. God is always looking to help you. He loves you, even if you've gone away from Him. He still stands at the door of your heart and knocks because He loves you. He doesn't want to go away. He won't go away. He's your Savior. And then we have to repent. Look at chapter 2, verse 5. For the church at Ephesus, that good, great church, remember from where you're fallen and repent. And do the first works. Remember, therefore, from where you're fallen and repent. And repent. And they've left their first love. They need to renew that love. They need to renew that love. And uh, the last thing they need to do is they need to rejoice. Begin to rejoice. That Christ is their Savior. Lift Him up. Carry His banner. Be the church again. Shout Amen. Hallelujah. Give thanks to God. Thanks and glory to Him day and night. Our crown Oasis, Chapter 2 verse 10. 10 I will give a crown of life to that church. We should be light bearers in the world. He came. And we're lampstands of the world showing forth the light. Of Jesus. Church. Let's get our hearts. Ready. Now. For we know not what hour. The master comes. And he comes for us. Let's pray. Father in heaven. We thank you for this time. And ask your blessing. Thank you for First Baptist Church. Lord be with us. Going forward. In Jesus name. Amen.